go. It's not personal, really. It might be, but I'm not going to take it personally. Open your Bibles, please. John chapter 14. It is a great time to be together this morning. The pattern is I just feel like uh, I don't really need to preach the word this morning uh, because I really feel nourished and fed by the word. I appreciate the brothers uh, Edgar and Dale uh, really helping us this morning, all right, and uh, really preparing our hearts. So I really feel grateful for you brothers. Thanks so much, Dale and Edgar, for God using you in great ways to help us this morning. Uh, It is uh, great to be together. Welcome to the Metro East Ministries. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. There are uh, very few donuts left, so that's a good thing. Uh, there's a lot of water. There's some coffee. Help yourself. Uh, if you do make it for the back door, I might say something up here. So uh, the restroom's there, but uh, there's uh, some, some other refreshments left there for you. Uh, do get a chance to go help yourself with some of that. Amen, church? Uh, it is uh, great. Uh, I told, already told you John 14, right? Please get your uh, notebooks and Bibles out. We are a church that's all about using and following God's Word. Amen. Amen. Not Doug's idea, Doug's agenda. There's a Bible there in the back. If you don't have your Bible, please make your your way to go ahead and get one. If you need to borrow an iPad or an iPhone, whatever, ask Mike Glenn. He's got extras. Um, (laughs) You want to start a new technology ministry, feel free to talk to him. Uh, But uh, do get a Bible if you'd like to follow. We do make sure we want to follow God's Word in, in the service. Amen. Uh, a lot of s- sermons preached on Sunday mornings don't really use God's word, which is uh, actually, uh, I don't like that personally. Kind of, uh, uh, I'm not here to be a uh, pep rally or a cheerleader for you this morning. Uh, I'm actually a minister of the gospel, and I want to make sure we preach the gospel and that we uh, read the word of God because Jesus must be Lord of our church, uh, not the pastor, not the preacher or the evangelist or televangelist. And I don't have to say anything else to make sure because you know what I'm talking about, but I think it's so important. You know, this morning is about you and Jesus. It's about you getting a chance to allow God's word to shape you and mold you to be the man and woman that God wants you to be. Not me and my creative ways of being charismatic or funny or whatever it is. I'm not here to to be well-liked by you. I'm here to preach God's word. Uh, I'm confident of that. I, I enjoy kind of being funny while I speak because that's who I am as a person. That's who God created me to be, and so I think it's amazing that you know we come on, on Sundays to make sure you're coming to learn, not coming to be fed. Uh, you're coming to be fed, not just what I say, but from God's word. And so I think you know this morning it's great to be together. Thank you for taking your time to be here. Uh, I know God's got some things on my heart, and I want to share them. You know, this past Friday uh, was a great time for the Marys. Uh, we got a chance to see some robot. We got a chance to see the Tootsie Roll. We got a chance to see some Dougie. We got a chance to see the doo-wop. We saw the oak tree. We saw the running man. We saw the Charlie Brown. We saw the cha-cha. We saw some salsa. We saw some merengue. And we had a good time. So we got to make sure we have another one like that. Uh, hopefully you were as encouraged as I was. I was sore the following day, so I think I danced a little more than I probably should have. But, you know, Bobby's up there dancing. And then Ray, Ray doing the do this. And Alan doing the... And the Roberto with the haggle like this. So, you know. And then Fernando, you know, being very... But when that Latin music came out, boys, some of the Latinos ran for the dance floor. They was doing salsa like, whoa! Haven't seen that, but uh, it was a great time. You know, we're a church that is about having fun. And about going through life together. Not just coming to Sunday and Wednesday and, gosh, get me out of these doors. 
Uh, actually, we actually stay at the end of service, and we want to hang out with each other. We want to go do for some fun things together and watch our kids together and not just make an, a, a, a dash for the exit. Uh, but, you know, I've got some things on my heart. I want to share some new additions. You know, it's great that we have a new addition to our family here in Metro East. Hey, um, Crystal Verdusco, welcome back. I know she broke her toe. Thanks for coming this morning. Good to see you. I just saw her back there. Uh, you know, we're family, right? I'm family. I know all of you. I pray for you all the time. So if I don't see you, you do get phone calls or text messages sometimes. Uh, but if I do see you in the fellowship and I haven't seen you in a while, I just want to say I miss you. It's good to see you, Crystal. You know, uh, Leticia Gonzalez gave birth on June 15th to a healthy baby boy. Amen. Well, not, not yet. Fabian Gonzalez came in at 7 pounds, 8 ounces. Amen. For a new addition to our God's family. Leticia Gonzalez, the Barbosa family is fired up. You know, I do want to share about the new addition, Eddie Thompson. I'll share about him in my lesson. He was uh, baptized on Thursday at 4.30 at the L.A. USC Medical Center. And uh, I've got some things to share about, and I've got to get time going. So it's going to be a great time. Uh, we're excited to have him being a part of the fellowship. His wife is worshiping in uh, Temple near Tamid with about 20 family members. So amen. God is doing some great things. You know, I do want to share. I'm excited for Glenn Daniels. We've been praying for him on Sundays. And uh, he, has, he now has a, a kidney donor. It's awesome. And right down this date, July 24th, is the surgery for both him and the kidney donor. He was so excited when I saw him at the baptism. We sang some songs in the hospital. I don't think that hospital's ever heard sung. Uh, and if you know Glenn Daniels, he can sing. He can sing it. And so uh, Glenn Daniels got a kidney donor. It's going to be an awesome time for him to have a, a new life and not go to dialysis four times a week. And so uh, definitely excited for him. Uh, I forgot, I got ahead of myself. El, for el equipo, el equipo de traducción está con Norma, ¿sí? O está con Zulma, thank you. El equipo de traducción está con uh, Zulma. So please get that information, get those things there in the back. Um, without, without further ado, we got to go to God in prayer. Amen? Let's pray. God, uh, we uh, thank you for being with a group of men and women who were imperfect following the perfect Savior. I'm so grateful we can come here and be ourselves. I know sometimes I'm tempted not to want to come just because I want to act like everything's all good. I want to have it all good on the outside. But, guys, it's those times we come that we, we, we don't want to come. It's those times we come that we struggle that help us the most. Allow us to hear the things we need to hear. and Allow us to sing and hear the songs that need to be sung. And we allow us to hear a scripture that can move our heart. And, God, we know that you've created us in your own image, Father. You've created us good. I know some of us have a hard time looking in the mirror and accepting that. But, God, you've created us good. You love us. You've lavished your love all on us. And I pray this morning you would help us embrace that fact. God, thank you for the challenges. We do want to lift up a brother, uh, Jeff Balsam, who died this morning. He was our deal elder in the church in Chicago. And uh, he was teaching a class at the conference that actually Bob Henley's now teaching. And I really pray you're with uh, the Balsam family. Uh, they've lost a great warrior, a great hero, and a dad. And uh, I pray you would uh, just comfort the family during this time. Help the wife and kids and the grandkids uh, as they really cope through the loss of just a great hero. I pray you're with the church in Chicago, that you would strengthen them during this time of loss. And God, we're just grateful for the answered prayers you've given us. Please be with those that are not here this morning, Lord. Move in their hearts. Allow them to know that they are in our hearts. Allow us to spend time actually practicing that we do love one another by actually caring for each other and calling each other and spending time together to really help us draw close to you. Be with those that are not here as they're 
traveling or on vacation, that you really protect them and put a hedge around them. God, we love you. Be with our lesson this morning. I really pray that uh, there's some things in my heart I want to share, and I'm excited to really share with this, uh, the church this morning. Help us remember that we're here to follow Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. We lift up the lesson. Our hearts help us learn. We pray in Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Amen. You know, it's uh, great that we've uh, started a series called Power and Authority of Jesus. And uh, you know that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. You know, on June 10th, we talked about, is Jesus Lord of our conduct, Lord of our life, Lord of our time? And uh, last week, we had a great Father's Day service, and uh, really talking about how God is our Father. And uh, today, I'm going to talk about, is Jesus Lord of the church? Is Jesus Lord of the church? And uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, Next uh, Sunday, July 1st and 8th, make sure you check our website for announcements. July 1st and 8th, we're going to have our services at the Temple near Tamid and Downey. And so both of our services on uh, July 1st and 8th are going to be there to worship. And be a great time since the conference in uh, San Antonio is happening during that time. And so make sure next Sunday, please don't show up here. If you do, you'll be by yourself and have a great prayer time down here in Del Amo. Um, but do, uh, it's going to be July 1st and 8th. We'll be at the Temple near Tamid in uh, Downey. It'll be at 10 o'clock. Same time, it'll be a great time of worship. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to, you know, we're going to be in San Antonio for a conference for our church. All our churches all over the world are coming together in San Antonio. And it's not only going to be physically hot, it's going to be spiritually hot. And uh, it's supposed to be the hottest time of the year. But uh, amen, it's not that hot. Hot in Vegas right now, it's 105, so don't complain about the heat. Amen? <laughs> you know, for me, uh, when I think about Jesus, as a minister of the gospel... There's nothing I enjoy talking more about than Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the man. Jesus has the plan. And Jesus knows how to get you out of your condition. He knows and understands the struggle that you have. And you know, for me, I think the thing I love about Jesus here in John 14 is Jesus is pretty straightforward. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus doesn't cut corners. He doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He tells you what you need to hear. He tells you things that might not make you feel comfortable might make you feel like, wow, that's not very loving. Well, you know, the truth is not meant to make you feel loved. The truth is actually love in and of itself. Truth, and speaking the truth to you, is loving. Whether you accept it or not, that's the issue you've got to deal with between you and God. See, oh, I like being encouraged. Well, you don't just need to be encouraged. You need truth. You need honesty. You need integrity. You need someone to speak with you and say how they really feel and think about things that maybe you're not making correct choices with. And we need to hear the truth and not just run to the people that tell us what we want to hear. Make our itching ears tingle. And Oh, I love being around him, but I don't like being around her. Why? Because sometimes we don't like being around the truth. Well, you're going to have a lot of truth this morning. Amen. Amen. John 14, 6, the Bible says, Jesus says. Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I love that about Jesus because Jesus is very clear. Does anyone not quite sure understand what Jesus is saying there? Jesus is saying, I'm the way, I'm actually the truth, and I'm the life that you're actually looking for. You know the thing you're trying to get through life and you're trying to find security and confidence in things that you might not feel confidence from, like your paycheck? It doesn't give you much confidence, does it? Because then the thing called B, bills come around. And you're like, whoa, where'd that money go? My confidence and security is gone. Well, it's not in the money in your job. You've got to see your confidence needs to be in security, needs to be in the right things. And Jesus is trying to say, hey, I'm the man, not you. I, I have this figured out. 
See, I lived this thing called life for 33 years. Now, I might not have lived in the posh Los Angeles suburbs, but I've lived in Palestine. I grew up in Bethlehem. We, didn't, we might not have had internet access and Starbucks on every other corner, but we definitely had the Torah and the law to help guide us and have men, spiritual men in our lives, mentoring us and teaching us. But Jesus is trying to say, you got to go to God. you got to go to God, and the way you got to go to God is through me. So if you call yourself a disciple, you don't know Jesus, I'd like to beg to ask yourself a greater question. If you, how can you follow God if you don't know Jesus? See, sometimes it's easy to want to go to church and do all the things on the outside that look good. But see, it's the work of understanding Jesus and for yourself to comprehend until you can have that faith that God gives us. The Bible says in Matthew 16, turn over there. We're just getting started here. If you don't respond, the walls start talking. We're going to be here longer. <laughs> Matthew 16, verse 13. I just promise you, I definitely will. Matthew 16, verse 13. Don't shine my apple, but amen. If the word is speaking and cuts you, then go ahead and say something. Let the word prick your heart. and Maybe you need some more scriptures. I'll give you some time. Matthew 16, verse 13. Let's go ahead and let this one. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Well, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But see, what about you, he asked. Not your aunt, not your mom, not your cousin, not your dad, not your wife. No, no, who do you say I am? Well, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Don't you like getting the answers right? You just feel a whole lot more confident. And Jesus goes, man, you're the man. You're the Messiah. Yes, yes, you're right. You're going to be blessed. For this was revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You know, I love this passage, because you know, sometimes Jesus always says, well, don't say anything. How are you going to do me like that, Jesus? You just changed my life, and you're the man, and I can't say anything? I think, I think Jesus does that to test us, to test his disciples to say if they're really going to do what he says they're going to do. Now, I don't know that for a fact. That's an assumption made on my part. So I'm not bending scripture. I'm just saying, isn't it amazing how Jesus says, but well, don't say anything. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? This is amazing. You're the son of the living God. I don't care what everyone else in this crowd says. Jesus, you're the man. I want to follow you. You've changed my life. Peter's grateful. Peter's transformed. Peter's, wow, you've helped me in my life. I can't not talk about you. But you're, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says on this rock, on this simple fact of Jesus being Lord, on Jesus being the Messiah, he builds his church. But is the church today really built on Jesus? I mean, I can't count churches I drive by on the freeway because there's so many. But ours is the church, is it, is it, is it built on the preface of, and the premise of, hey, it is built on this rock. That I'm Jesus, I'm the man, I'm Lord. I'm the Messiah, not you. 
Different struggles you have, you're following your ways and you get distracted on the world and your relationships and your drugs and all these things you start to go after and Jesus is going, buddy, when are you going to get it? It's not about you. It's not about your time. You don't have tomorrow. Don't pretend like you have two years to live. You don't know when you have this life and when it's going to go. Read the classifieds. Take a visit to the hospital and get sobered by life. To go, you know what, man, life is precious. Today is a gift. And that's why it's called the present. And here he says, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys. When someone gives you the keys to the car, what do you do? Man, if you're underage, you're going, what are you thinking? But the thing is, when you got those keys, man, you're the man. I'm going to determine whether you go in my house or not through my keys. Now, people get in houses different ways. True? Now, you've done it. If you lost your keys, you locked yourself out, you've been there, right? You know that little place that you know how to get in. But nobody else can know that little place that you try to get in. But see, the thing that Jesus says, hey, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to teach people how to get into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys to help other people. Where are your keychain at today? Do you have that key that gets in, unlocks your heart to go to be with God? See, it's important. Are you going through the right door? Do you got the right keys to get into his kingdom? Acts chapter 2, turn over there. So Peter has the keys, right? Peter says, you're the Messiah, right? Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, right? And we go to Acts chapter 2, and we know who preaches the first sermon. I wonder, I wonder who preaches the first sermon. I wonder who's going to be the guy to stand up and, and be the armor bearer for, 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 for the banner of Christ. And I wonder who's going to stand up. Well, the Bible says in verse 37. Actually, let me see where I'm at. Acts, Acts 2, verse 31. Let's go a little earlier. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of dead, nor did his body see decay. See, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel, let everyone who hears this, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, oh, who was speaking right here? Peter. They were speaking, it says to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Isn't that a heart of gold right there? Isn't that a heart of, hey, we, we, we've committed our sin, we've, our sin has put Jesus on the cross, and, and, and that's why Jesus died, because he loved us and he, he cared for us. And he's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. And he's the rock. And, and Peter, who's preaching the first sermon? Peter stands up. And the first thing he talks about is not a, a great illustration and story and a great parable. See, see, Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd in verse 14. And he says, hey, let me tell you a little something, something about someone who changed my life. And he doesn't have a, a rhyming lesson that spells out a different thing. And you've heard me spell out different sermons, right? You do that to, to pique people's interest, to draw them in. And sometimes we don't need to sugarcoat things. We've got to keep it real. And Peter stands up and preaches the word. And about, man, Jesus resurrected. It's a fact. I saw it. I was there. You can't question my faith, Peter, saying, I was there. It's a fact. You know, our calendar is based on the birth of who? 
So Jesus didn't really happen. Well, good luck on that one. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's important for us to understand, but do we really know Jesus? For 24 years, I had no idea. I just saw he was a light-skinned brother, a little a halo over his head, and he had the, the lamb, ewe lamb over his shoulders, and he was always hanging out with children. But then all these other adults were following him to him, and he, he fed them, and he had miracles. And so, do you really know who Jesus is? When's the last time you were cut to the heart of how your sin put Jesus to death? Well, I did that, you know, 20 years ago. No, no, no. you got to walk with Jesus every day. Like Edgar Shear. Don't just come and show up. But, but when's the last time you were cut and convicted of what your sin has done to Jesus? See, Jesus already paid the cost and the price. He's waiting for you to make a decision. Am I the way, truth, and life for you or no? That's the question. Is he really the way, the truth, and the life for you? Not your neighbor. Not your mom. Not your family. But for you, do you know who I am? You know, here, what I want to really focus on is Jesus Lord of the church. Look over in Colossians. And this is, this is a great, great book right here, the book of Colossians. And it's written to a, a, a group of people just like ourselves, uh, a affluent city like Los Angeles, the city of Coloss. And it's interesting here because I want to just focus on this scripture for our main lesson today. Because, you know, I think we can kind of relate to the Colossians. And it, it, bear with me here. Let, let me give you some background. You know, here's an amazing city, affluent, beautiful, by the coast. We like that coast over there. Nice cool breeze coming in on here when it's hot during the summertime. And so Paul wrote this letter, the book of Colossians. He wrote it well, from a nice hotel, five-star hotel, you imagine. He was sitting in a posh area. He had room service at his disposal. No, no. Paul wrote this letter in prison. Okay? Some of us, when we're struggling, we can't even put words to paper. You know what I'm saying? We're just so struggling with life. And here's Paul saying, hey, I want to help this church. 18 months ago we started the church, but I want to help the church in Colossus get a little refocused on some things. Because I think the church in Colossus got sidetracked. They started focusing on, well, you know, when we grew up here in Colossus, we grew up that Jesus wasn't, wasn't the Savior of the world. He was a good teacher. Oh, you know, Jesus is a good dude. He's a good guy. And Paul had to come in and say, you know, you don't, do you know who I'm talking about? Jesus Christ is a good teacher? Let me help the church in Colossus out. And so it's a whole dissertation, really, as Paul shares. He's trying to help the church in Colossus get refocused on Jesus. And so there's two themes of the whole book. Number one is what Jesus Christ has done. That's Colossians chapter 1, verses 2 through 23. And the second thing that is broken down to is what Christians should do. Colossians chapter 3 and chapter 4. So if you want to know what you as a Christian should be doing, maybe this week you should read Colossians chapters 3 and chapter 4. And that will help you understand kind of what Paul was trying to teach the church in Coloss. And so understanding that, I want to read Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. You with me, church? i got four points to make and I've got uh, 12 minutes to make it. So let's do that. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. The Bible says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, once, you remember your life, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I mean, I think there's so much to be said in this scripture right here. The thing I love about Paul is that Paul was a thoroughly taught young man by Gamaliel. He was thoroughly taught in the law. And he realized that it's not just doing the right things makes all the difference in someone's life. It's not looking good on the outside. Is that's everything. It's really dealing with the heart. And Paul, he lacked conversion with Jesus. He had an understanding of Jesus, but he didn't know who Jesus really was. And the thing I want to share here is my first point. There's four mega themes I put here in, in this, just this passage, but in the whole book of Colossians. The first one is that Jesus has all supremacy. Paul's trying to teach the church in Colossus, hey, wait a minute. It's not su supreme pizza from Domino's Pizza we're talking about. <laughs> With everything and all the trimmings. Jesus, number one, he has all supremacy. This is the, one of the strongest statements about the divine nature of Christ found anywhere in the Bible. He says, this is the, this is the, this is the son, the image of a visible God, the firstborn over all creation. So for in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Remember Matthew 28, 18? It says, therefore, Jesus, what? There go for make disciples of all nations. I have all authority where? In heaven and on what? Earth. On earth. Jesus is trying to say, you guys, you're not the man and woman that you think you are. Right. You think you have it all figured out on your own. But I've got all supremacy. I've been there, done that. I've wrote the book. I've walked the life. But I've done it the right way that God has planned for me. And us, we've, we all fall astray. We all struggle. We all go our different way. And we think we have it all figured out. But for me, when you've grown distant from God, who moved? We move. We struggle. And when you struggle, don't go away from God and away from the people that are going to help you. But go towards the people that are going to help you. Be honest with your parents. Be genuine as a teenager. Don't run away to the world because the world says, don't be honest about these things. Don't be open because what will they think of you next? Hide it as long as you can. But we know one thing. This light does not deflect it by darkness. Light, when it's shown in a dark room, what happens? The darkness flees. Some of us, we haven't turned the lights on because our life because we're so ashamed. We're so fearful of if we're going to really come clean with our life, what are they going to really think about me? Well, here, let me share something with you. To alleviate all your fears. I've done it before you. And I've struggled just like you struggle. But it's important that it's how you live in the light. With Jesus having supremacy in your life. Not you being the supreme being in your own life. We become our own God. And that's why Paul's trying to tell the church in Colossus. Hey, Jesus has all supremacy. He's the man. He's the, he's the Lord of lords. In heaven and on earth. He oversees he over, oversees all the rules, the judges. He judges justly. He's loving. He's considerate. He's compassionate. Now, how do we get to God? I'm sorry, somebody, please. Thank you. I, I, you read John 14, 6. Amen. I'm fired up for you. Just so you know, that's our memory scripture for June and July. So please memorize that scripture. 
and I'll help you. We'll be talking about it. But for me, it's important to understand that, that Paul is saying Jesus has all supremacy. Now the question is, does he have supremacy in your life? Supremacy in your life. Now even more so, is Jesus Lord of the church? Does he have supremacy here? Or do we not go to church because I don't like, like the way Doug spoke that day. I just don't like that example. and I just don't like the way you come across. You're too up in your face. Well, I'm sorry. I don't apologize for preaching God's word. But the truth is the truth. And you've got to be able to look at your own life and say, Am I, do I know Jesus? Who is he? Does he have supremacy in my life? Well, I have to say, no, honestly, I'm not going to say anything because I'm a little fearful. I'm going to get out of this church afterwards and maybe I'll talk about it a little later. Because I'm not quite sure I feel comfortable. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm here to show you the truth. Because very few churches in the city talk about the truth. They want you to come, put your money in the plate, come on in, get some food. Hey, we got a great choir. And hey, if you notice, we don't have the nicest facility, if you notice. We've got a nicer fellowship than the facility. And I like it that way. Well, you guys should have your own building and all this it costs uh, money. Look at the economy. Let's, you know, amen. Let's focus on pleasing God, not trying to get a facility, if you're talking about. But, but the thing I love about this church is this church has all supremacy and must be Jesus. And the power of the church is the people. Look at verse 18. Let's continue reading. The Bible says in verse 18, and he is the what? Head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. The second point is that Jesus is the head of the church. And because Christ is God in the flesh, he's the head of the body, the church, of what? The true believers, those who follow, those who hear Peter's message, those who hear the gospel message today and make a decision to say, am I going to take responsibility for how my sin put Jesus on the cross? Am I going to take responsibility? Number one, does he have supremacy? Number two, is he really the head of the church? Is he the decision maker? And people go, well, you know, Doug, that was like 2,000 years ago. But the concepts of the Bible are still... They still relate. It's still the same thing. It's just, it's spun off a different way today. We got internet technology. We got faster things and faster cars, but we got slower appetites to learn. We got all these faster things, but we can't even connect with our neighbor. We got issues, but the Bible is very practical. The Bible says Jesus must be the head of the church. I think for me, as, as a church, we're not perfect. The LA Church of Christ or International Church of Christ, we are not perfect. But the thing I love about this church is when I came, it wasn't about the people and the building and the facility. It was about making a difference in people's lives. And peeling back all the pride and all the self-worth and all the things you're worried about looking and all the fears you have and just saying, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? How are you doing with Jesus? Well, gosh, man, man, no one's ever asked me that question. That's the point. Because so many churches don't have Jesus being the head. It's the pastor that's the head. Right. It's the popular speaker that's the head. Yeah. It's the, while this church has been around 50 years, Jesus' church has been around since 2,000 years. Yeah. And it's still going. And he's still dead, buried, and resurrected at the right hand of God. So Jesus' church is going to get by with or without you. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to be on the right team with the right keys to get in that right house? Yeah. So you can get your own room? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be locked out of your house. And you're going to try and get in and bend in. And God's going to be like, you can't get in, buddy you got to go through Jesus. You can't go in through that window. And it's important for us to understand, is Jesus really the head? Christ is fully human and fully divine. He's lived his life sinlessly. He didn't sin not once. 
Didn't have a bad attitude, even though he was mistreated and abused, and even though he was the victim. Our society is always, oh, I'm the victim. I was treated this way, and I have a right to defend myself. Jesus didn't defend himself at the cross. He had nothing to defend. It was God's plan. How many of us is Jesus the head of our decision-making? In our family, in our finances, in our relationship with our kids. May and I always make it a point. Hey, Jackson and Jarek, we love you guys. You're 11 and 9. We want to teach you. You know why Daddy does this? Not because I'm the minister. It's because God expects us to do these things. And God has a greater plan for your life than I do. And I want to help you be your best for God. Not your best for me. Don't please me. May and I are trying, your mommy and I are trying to please God the best way we can. And you can't do it if you don't read the word itself. So is Jesus have all supremacy? Number two, is Jesus the head of the church? Number three, look at verse 20. You with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Verse 20, the Bible says, And through him reconciled himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Don't you love fresh starts? Don't you love new beginnings? Don't you hate it when you see someone in your past and they go, I remember you, man. You used to do all this and this and this. And you're like, oh, man, time out. This is an out-of-body experience. Oh, my gosh, who are you? Where did I know you from? High school? Oh, that far back. Great. You know what I'm talking about. See, at one point in your life, you're alienated from God. See, for 24 years of my life, I thought I was a good Christian. But I didn't know Jesus. And I had no concept of the Bible. I didn't read the Bible for myself because I was always waiting for the preacher to read it. Oh, that's a good one. I like that lesson today. You know, it was really good. But see, it's important for you to personalize for you. That's why we as a church are trying to make sure Jesus is the head. And that what? The third thing is that Jesus is our union. He's the one we want to be close to. The most important relationship I have in my family is not my wife. Some going, whoa, what is that talking about? That's a different teaching right there. The most important thing in me and my relationship is with God, number one. Jesus, number two. And my wife sits third base. She's third in the gap. You know what? She needs me to be. Make sure she's third. Because if she's first and second, our marriage is going downhill quick. And if I'm first in her life, it's going downhill quicker. Because I'm the, the biggest sinner in the Lovegren family. And I've got the wounds to talk about. I've got the long life. Yeah, I've, I've sat in your chair before when the preacher was preaching. You're like, did someone tell him about my life? Because I didn't tell you this. That's the power of God's word. See, because each of us were created by God in his image to do good works. And when you're struggling and having this insecure and you're, you're bashful and, and, and trying to figure out life and you're trying to you know, feel your way through and thinking this relationship's going to be the one that's going to pull you through, then God like pulls, pulls the carpet out and you're like, whoa, what else, God? I thought she was the one. Yeah, because you're following her, not me. It's not about these people. It's not about the relationships in the world. It's about do you know the way to Jesus? Do you know him? Because Jesus is the most important Relationship. You know, one thing I want you to study out, clothed with Christ. Paul, throughout his epistling gospels, throughout all his books, he talks about how we were in Christ. You can't get in Christ with a prayer. 
You've got to get it in Christ. You've got to have Christ and be clothed with Christ with an action. And that's baptism. November 6th of 1994 was the day that my life changed forever. I wasn't saved by baptism. Amen from somebody? Amen. We're saved by grace. We're saved by God's love. We're saved by his mercy. We're saved by all these things that we should do, not because we have to, but because God expects you to. In your house, you have rules, correct? Why would God have anything different? Let you do your way, find your way, do your thing. That's why I love God. You know why? He gives us choice. And when you're struggling, you made that choice, and you're mad at somebody, don't be mad at God. Look at yourself and say, man, how can I change? How can I be different? Well, for me, is Jesus your main relationship? If he's not, your relationship's on a downward spiral from the get-go. And last thing I think love about Jesus is, third thing, with Jesus is our union, number four, Jesus is not man-made religion. Amen? Amen. Jesus is not man-made religion. It's not found in temples built by hands. Jesus is right here in the scriptures. And Jesus is trying to empower you to take over your life and stop allowing life to take over you. He's trying to give you the keys and the power and the tools necessary to have a successful relationship. You know how you do it? Put God first. I guarantee you, you put God first, obey what the scriptures say, your life will radically change for the better. Now, your friends that you thought were your friends might not become your friends when you start doing what's right. That's just the facts. Amen. Can I get an amen from the walls? Your friends start to look at you like you got four heads. Doug Logan, you don't curse any now. What's going on with you? You going to some church? What's your problem? Let me go beat that pastor because, man, you, you've made some crazy changes, man. What's going on with your life? Hey, I'm changing for the better. Get out of my life. Go back to your club scene. I don't need that no more. That didn't fill me up. That made me feel more lonely. How dare you insult my intelligence and say I'm, 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 I'm being controlled by some church. Hey, I'm being controlled by God. And God has changed my life, and you can't say one iota about it. You weren't there November 6th of 94. You weren't there October 30th when I cried myself to sleep. Because I had all my security and girls and basketball and beer. And it was taken from under my feet. And it wasn't until God says, i got to take it away so you can see me. The way. And it's important for us to understand. Jesus is not about man-made religion. He is not about a church building. It's not found there. Truth and security is found in God and his word alone. Amen? It's important for us to get that. Even as a church, we've been imperfect for the past eight years. We've learned things, and we've got our nicks, and we've got things we've got to improve, and we've got things we've got to grow in. But you know one thing I love about our church? It's about God's word and not the preachers, and not the buildings, and not all the money and panache. It's about helping you where you're at today and saying, stop following down that miserable path and thinking you have to fill in and fit in with the Joneses. And you've got to look good on the outside, and you've got to buy those cars, and you've got to be in this amount of debt, and you've got to live in a house like this. Don't even listen to those lives. God says, come to me through Jesus, and I will change your life forever. Any kid in here, I guarantee you put God first. It's a struggle. But these teenagers that come to church, I applaud you. Because the world is knocking at your door saying, no, 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 don't go to church. Amen. No, 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 don't read your Bible. That's not cool. Let me tell you what, all your cool friends, let them come talk to me. I'll show you cool how my life has changed. And then you got to start dropping your titles, what you used to do so you can earn some credibility. You know what I'm saying? I think God gives us some things in our life, not to use it for ourselves, but for the gain of others. To share your testimony that God has moved and changed your life and you aren't who you are because of you. 
you are who you are in Christ because of the word of God that's going to help you. If he has all supremacy and he's the most important union relationship, your marriage will thrive. It will be the best relationship. Your friends will ask you, what, what are you how are you guys so close? Because God is important to our life. You know, man, I do a pre-marriage counseling with these couples. Nothing I love more than sitting down with young couples, impressionable, soft-hearted, and they want to do what's right. Because you know what the world does? Eats them for lunch. Eats them up, says, just go ahead and get married, go to Vegas, go quick, hey, just go and feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Two months later, you're like, man, wasn't cut out, what did I just go ahead and do? Yeah. Hollywood just shows you that every day. People Magazine, U.S. Magazine, go ahead and read it. Stats are bigger. 80% of marriages in California, not in 75, 80 and in divorce. You know why? Not because I have the answers, but God sure does. I guarantee you. If your relationship is not built on God, it's not going to last. And if it has, amen, it's the grace of God that allowed it to last. And you know, for me as a church, man, I'm getting emotional in the world. There's nothing as a minister that hurts my heart. You see our kids not wanting to become Christians. You see our church, people don't want to come to church. You see people struggling. Hey, guys, it's a part of life. I love my job. This is, this is, I'm doing what God's called me to do. But it hurts my heart. I see some of you guys, you know, you're struggling. You won't even say anything. And you're having a hard time or you're, you're growing and you're not willing to help other people. You're not willing to share with other people how you've changed. Because we're so worried about how we look. What will they say if I'm a Christian person? Well, let your light shine. Because this little light of mine, you better go ahead and let it shine. And for me, I want to encourage us. You know, why do we have so many churches in our city? And we've got to turn over here. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, it's, it's, it's a disdain for me as, as a minister. You know, one of the reasons why I went back in the ministry is because I feel called to do what I'm doing. And you've got to be called. And all of us have been called at some point of our life. But you know what? We think today is different than, than back in Jesus' days. And that's not true. About 30 years after Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected, listen to what happened. Just, just entertain me right here. Verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. See, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Um, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Uh, were you baptized into the name of Paul? You know, here we are about 30 years after Jesus resurrected. And what happens? A struggle for power begins. And why do we have so many churches? Because it's a struggle for power. I want a bigger church. I want a bigger building. I want to get a choir. And these ministers have, have good intentions. They want to build these things up. But what happens? Why do we have so many different denominations, names of groups, names of different churches? Why? Because they want to do what they want to do. Sugar-coated with the gospel. Well, you know, I like Cephas' church. They got donuts and coffee. I don't want to go to Downey no more. They ain't got no donuts and coffee. Now, that's all you need? Come on over. But you're going to get a healthy dose of God's word because it ain't about that. Is Jesus Lord of the church? 
That's the most important thing. The members started becoming immoral in this church in Corinth. They started giving into the world. And they started following people for power. And we are a church here in the LA Church of Christ. It's called the Church of Christ. You notice that's our name, Church of Christ. Not the Church of Doug Lovgren. Or what Mike says, the Church of Cerritos. But amen. <laughs> you can keep on letting the Spirit say whatever you want to say. But I want to close in sharing. Really, guys, this world is not your home. And Jesus must be Lord of your life, Lord of your conduct, but Jesus must be Lord of the church. And if it's not, I'll be the first to stand up here and say, hey, i got to repent. What do we got to do? Make sure it's God's word. Make sure we're helping each other and get to heaven. Make sure we're, we're making sure it's not about the money and about the, 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 the donuts and coffee and all these different things. All of those are great fringe benefits. But I want to close in just saying, you know, we need to ensure that Jesus is the Lord of our church. Amen? Amen. That Jesus has all supremacy. That Jesus is the head. He's the decision maker. That Jesus is our most important union we have. And that Jesus isn't about man-made religion. And I want to share a story with you. God hears your prayers. As God's co-workers urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today, June 21st at 4.30 p.m. in the baptistry of the physical therapy facility inside the L.A. County U.S. Medical Center. Who get that one out. After much prayer, after studying, helping support Teresa Thompson, Eddie's wife and Eddie's family, talking to doctors, I was meeting with hospital chaplains, coordinating hospital staff, our dear sister Ruby Gabadon, a nurse who attends the Santa Barbara Church of the L.A. Church of Christ. She helped us as Eddie Thompson was baptized into Christ on Thursday. Amen. It was unlike anything we've ever experienced inside a hospital with a handful of staff, 20 doctors, nurses, physical therapists, and interns watching, 20 family members of Eddie's family supporting Eddie, eight disciples serving, filling the baptistry, and singing songs in a hospital. We shared scriptures. We saw our dear brother Eddie added to the Lord's church. A number of those watching, perplexed, intrigued. Who's the minister for this church? That, that's me. Can you explain what this baptism represents? I've never been baptized. I said, absolutely, but let's go ahead and take care of my brother Eddie. We'll talk, talk to you later. <laughs> A number of people watched. The hospital staff was amazed at Eddie's faith. It took the doctors and nurses 30 minutes to unplug him from all the IVs and to tape him up to make sure he wouldn't get any infection in the water. He's been fighting pancreatic cancer, and he's still fighting the good fight. On June 16th, the doctors notified Eddie of his final prognosis, and they ended the conversation with, sorry, Mr. Thompson, for such bad news. Eddie replied, don't be sorry for me. What is bad news to you is good news to me. God has a great gift waiting for me. He has, I only have two to three weeks left of this lifetime but I will make the most of it. His faith expressed such incredible statements of courage and impact on Teresa, his wife, the hospital staff, the family and friends. Eddie requested a Jesus party Thursday night for all to come and bring their Bibles. He invited all of his family. They're all worshiping at Downey this morning. June 24th, 
2012 at 10 a.m. they're worshiping. God's moving. We're blessed to see God use us to help him find his people. We took a video we're going to share. I'll show you some pictures. But John Shem was out shopping and sharing his faith one day in front of Best Buy. And he just decided to invite Eddie to church. John Angela Shem shared their life, opened their home, loved Eddie and Teresa Thompson incredibly. And it's amazing when you choose to love others what God will do. Remember that now is the day of salvation. I want to show you some pictures, please. This is Dr. Nitsan on the right. She's Jewish. She actually is coming to church next week. Amen. She was amazed. She's not a practicing Jew. Uh, you have Teresa on the left and Eddie right there in the middle. It's our dear brother in Christ right now. Amen. Next picture. Here you have uh, Eddie's sisters, all three of them, and their little kids. Um, I think there's one on the other side of the picture, but those, those, those are his family. Next picture. Here you have Eddie. Uh, he was praying. He asked me to leave him alone. Let me have a time of just silence right now. Go ahead. Then you have the baptistry, filling up the baptistry. And there's, there's Ruby right there, our sister from Santa Monica. Guys, this is in the physical therapy department. I'm just telling you. And, and the doors were open. And as we sang, the sound went down the hallway and people were coming by droves. Next picture. And they're celebrating our new brother Eddie in Christ right in the middle. And his family surrounded. And on the right-hand side is John Shem trying to keep all the doctors out. See over here. I think that's it, right? No more pictures? And that's just how I think. That's my vision of how God is when we come with him. And I want to watch a video and uh, Amir will close us out.